Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is December 26, Monday, December 26. Today we are reading from the Big Book and the Doctor's Opinion at page XXB, that's Roman numeral 25. Today's readers are Camilla G, Lisa B, the reference number for yesterday, Sunday, December 25th is 9386. That's 9386. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overreader who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Libby E. to read the 12 steps, please. Go ahead, Libby. Thank you, Amy, for your service. Good morning. I'm Libby E., Recovered Compulsive Eater in New York. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, Thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Libby. I will now ask for Cecilia H. to read the 12 Traditions. Go ahead, Cecilia. Good morning. This is Cecilia H. I'm a compulsive overeater, grateful for my daily reprieve. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, 
Each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Cecilia. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book in the doctor's opinion on page Roman numeral XXV, that's Roman numeral 25, and we're going to be down the sixth line of that paragraph where it starts, the very first paragraph, a well-known doctor, and go on through that letter all the way to its conclusion. The first three paragraphs of the letter are for context, and then the last couple paragraphs there, I personally know of scores of cases, down to the conclusion of the letter, is what we'll be focusing our shares on. And I'm going to go ahead and ask Camilla G. to please go ahead. Go ahead, Camilla. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you well. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Carmela G., and thank you, Amy, for your service. I am from New York. A well-known doctor, chief physician at a nationally prominent hospital specializing in alcoholic and drug addiction, gave Alcoholics Anonymous this letter, to whom it may concern. I have specialized in the treatment of alcoholism for many years. In late 1934, I attended a patient who, though he had been a competent businessman of good earning capacity, 
was an alcoholic of a type I came to regard as hopeless. In the course of his third treatment, he acquired certain ideas concerning a possible means of recovery. As part of his rehabilitation, he commenced to present his conceptions to other alcoholics, impressing upon them that they must do likewise with still others. This has become the basis of a rapidly growing fellowship of these men and their families. This man and over 100 others appear to have recovered. I personally know scores of cases who are the type with whom other methods have failed completely. These facts appear to be of extreme medical importance because of the extraordinary possibilities of rapid growth inherent in the group. They may mark a new epoch in the annals of alcoholism. These men may well have a remedy for thousands of such situations. You may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. Very truly yours, William D. Silkworth. Yes, um, this is an incredible letter for us because as compulsive overeaters, the promise that we could be recovered, it says it right in the beginning. To be a recovered alcoholic. And this is an amazing gift. Many of us, I myself, I know that when I was a small child, this disease manifested itself. And for many alcoholics, they felt hopeless. I felt hopeless. I was hopeless. And I felt I could never do it. But this letter gives us a promise that if we work this program and if we reach out our hand to others, we can become recovered. And that was the gift of Dr. Silkworth in 1935. And this is incredible that this message gets carried on and there are thousands of us between AA and OA and all the other 12 steps programs that are walking the road of happy destiny because of this. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Camilla. So who would like to share on the last part of that letter, starting with, I personally know of scores of cases. Harlan G. Melissa C. I've got Melissa and Harlan. Amanda R. Amanda R. Anybody else? Okay. Rivka A. 
Ripka A. Vasa. Thank you. Vasa O. Okay, well, we'll go with that. We're going to start with Harlan G., Melissa C., Amanda R., Ripka A., and Vasa O. Go ahead, Harlan. Thank you very much. Thank you for your service this morning. Everybody on Team Monday, thank you very much. Harlan G., recovered compulsive reader in Scottsdale, Arizona. Very glad to be here this morning. I take a look at this, and this has tremendous meaning for me because everything I had done failed. I was on amphetamines prescribed by a doctor when I was nine years old. I was on a different amphetamine prescribed by a doctor at age 10. I can still remember well the sides of my head, the temples of my head throbbing like a ba-boom, 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 like a bass drum. And I can still remember not being able to really focus in on anything anyone said to me because of the amphetamine raging through my system but I didn't eat. I slept about 15 minutes a month. Um, I was, I'm, a, I'm an eater. I'm not a fighter, but I was getting into fist fights at school. And I remember being in a situation where these pills would, would, you'd come down off the pills. You'd crash off the pills. It's the only way to describe it. And I would eat Illinois and most of Wisconsin. I tried lose weight with AIDS, A-Y-D-S. If you're my age or around my age, you remember those little chocolates. You eat one and it's supposed to kill your appetite. If one is good, two is better. I remember Tops and Weight Watchers and I remember Metrical and all these various things and everything failed in spite of my sincere desire to make it work. More than anything, I wanted to be thin but more than anything, all I did was eat. And then it says, these facts appear to be of extreme medical importance because of the extraordinary possibility, possibility being the key word there, of rapid growth inherent in this group. They may mark a new epoch in the annals of alcoholism. In the shivering cave of my compulsive overeating, in the loneliness, in the hell that I was living in, came this theory, came this book, came this recovery program, and God whispered, I'm the last ember of my heart that was still a little red, and it burst into flames, and I have not found it necessary to compulsively overeat in almost 18 years. It's 17 years, 363 or 62 days. And the the magic is, the reason that I don't compulsively overeat today is I don't want to. I'm not fighting food and I'm not fighting the world. Goes on to say these men may have a, may well have a remedy for thousands of such situations. You may rely absolutely any, on anything they say about themselves. Very truly yours, William D. Silkworth, MD. Let's take a look at the guts and the courage that it took Silkworth to write this. Because when originally approached, He said to Bill, I will write this, but don't you dare put my name in there. They'll run me completely out of the medical profession. Because when the book first came out in 1939, April of 39, first publication, first edition, this wasn't in here. The first 10 printings of the book, his name was not in here. And in 1949, the noted psychiatrist, Harry Tebow, 
who was Bill's psychiatrist, wrote a paper. And in 1949, the American Medical Association, the American Psychiatric Association, accepted alcoholism as an illness. And he told Bill Wilson, Silkworth did, not Tebow. Silkworth said to Bill, you can put my name in there now. But he took a risk here to save our lives. And now it says William D. Silkworth. And then in 1951, just two years after this letter, Silkworth passed from our sight and from our hearing. He passed away. But he remains our great medical benefactor, the little doctor who loved drunks. Without him, there is nothing. And it is the depth that I am willing to accept what we're going to investigate here in the next few days in the doctor's opinion. It is the depth that I am willing to accept this that will determine the urgency that I will work the rest of the steps. Because until I accept my powerless condition, I will not see the need to do these steps. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan. Melissa C., please go ahead. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. Um, Yeah, you know, I find myself thinking about those other methods also and that they failed completely. Um, So many methods, fasting. Um, Sen Sen. Um, when Harlan was speaking, I remember taking those AIDS candies too, and I thought they tasted delicious. I don't remember them working. Um, shakes, exercise, OptiFast, diet center, nu- nutritionists. Um, veg- I tried being a vegetarian. I tried Atkins, Weight Watchers. Um, you know, even OA without working the steps, I thought if I came, somehow it would rub off onto me. Um, other than that, so many of these methods required me going into my wallet, you know, paying for the ineffective methods. They were ineffective for me. Um, and when they did not work for me, um, you know, I was embarrassed. I was humiliated. I was ashamed and broke, you know, and, um, and what a perfect position to be in to return to the food. I mean, that led me Um, right back to the food, because all of those remedies um, required something from me that I didn't have. You know, it required um, complete willpower, which I don't have the power when it comes to food, you know. And all those professionals, all those paid representatives, um, could I rely on anything that they said about themselves or even about me? Um, No, not at all, you know. They didn't have the answer. You know, what was missing from all those methods um, was really the only thing that I needed, (laughs) you know, a remedy that would work for someone like me. I needed a message of depth and weight. I needed to learn about the allergy of the body. I never heard that elsewhere. Um, No, moderation is not my solution, and that's what I kept hearing. Um, Then I needed to know about the obsession of the mind. I was never told about the obsession of the mind in other places, you know, how my mind would always forget how bad my food problem is and would always convince me that eating my alcoholic foods was the best idea, you know, and now knowing these two facts about myself and believing these wholeheartedly uh, made it clear to me that I needed to be transformed. You know, I needed my mind to be switched. Um, I needed a new set of guiding principles to live by. And, You know, today I can say that you 
can absolutely rely on anything that I say about myself, um, you know, because I'm certain that I have a remedy that works because it's working for me. And, um, and I don't want my alcoholic foods anymore. You know, I'm, I'm not fighting it. It, the problem has just been removed and, um, thank you with that all pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And Amanda R., it's your turn. Good morning. This is Amanda R. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Maine. And, um, you know, we've, a lot of, uh, most of us coming to OA, I think perhaps the, the vast majority, and certainly me, have tried so many of these methods. I have to be, let's be a little careful when I, when I think about these things, they 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 did not work for me, despite my trying them many times, all the diet programs, the books, the nutritionists, etc. Um, they, I always had a lot of hope going into them because you know they seem to work for so many other people. So there's, it's not that there's anything wrong with these programs. For a lot of people, they really work very well. They get them the weight loss they need, um, the, the weight loss they're looking for, and they, you know, they can live their life that way. Um, unfortunately for me, you know, I tried many of them repeatedly, and they just, they didn't click. Um, I have plenty of willpower. I thought that's what I needed, like it's been said. I thought I, it was just willpower. And all these programs were based on me as the final power in my life. Um, and, you know, I, I, they just, I would stay on them for two, maybe three months, shorter and shorter amounts of time. And, and, and then I, I just sort of drift away from them because it's, I don't know, too hard, blah, 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 all the excuses I gave myself. And the insanity, you know, was that I, I tried them. Well, I didn't really know any other thing to try. I just tried them over and over again, and sometimes I would just give up and be like, well, I, I don't care anymore. It's it's not worth it. I'm, I'm just going to eat. And what I didn't realize was that there was this, this disconnect deep down inside myself between me and the power who actually was able to help me with with a with my the my relationship with food and b the rest of my life as well and you know like people have said i just came into this program to lose the weight and it's it's true but i discovered something a lot more you know in this the second paragraph here that these facts appear to be of extreme medical importance i mean for me they really are extreme importance and i could I could sort of push them onto the side burner and then onto the back burner and then to no burner at all. I could slowly push my program out of my life. I could do that easily because that's what my disease wants me to do. And yet I I appreciate so much working with others and being reminded over and over that these this program, these facts, this recovery, these are there's extreme importance here and the possibilities of growth of not only losing the weight, but living a life where I can go and see my family for the holidays and can honestly enjoy myself and cannot, I mean, can be in a place where I'm not hiding in one of the rooms that no one else is in, eating cookies that I put in my pockets 
because I'm so uncomfortable and unhappy and depressed that, yeah, I can just laugh and enjoy myself. And all of those, oh, thank you. All those things, they come through this program. And that's all I have to say. I'll pass. Thank you so much, Amanda. Ripka A., please, your turn. Press star one. Yes. Thank you so very much for giving service. And hello, everyone out there listening ears. My name is Rivka A., and I am a compulsive overeater recovered. Thank you, God. Uh, I love the reading here, um, and I totally identify with it. I'm so grateful that I get it this time. Uh, I remember uh, when I was uh, dancing around with my disease, this love and hate relationship with the food, on and off, you know, trying so many different things. Um, I couldn't be honest with my doctor at that time. And, um, you know, because I didn't understand about anything regarding my a disease from overeating. And I didn't even label myself as an overeater. You know, I just had a problem. And I just wanted to get a real good, quick fix. And so he put me on antidepressants. Well, in the meantime, I had opened up my home. I knew several ladies, and I put it out there, hey, you know, let's do a weight loss program. And we'll incorporate um, some moral ideas, you know, some Bible-related ideas, and we'll put it all together, and we'll weigh in once a week. Well, this all happened, but, you know, there was a person, a young gal, who came knocking on my door, a messenger from OA, no less. I had no clue. I didn't know her. She didn't know me, but she began to share openly with me. I was leading this group of like 21 ladies. You know, I had a crowd of, of cars parking out in front of my house. You know, neighbors were up in an uproar about that. But, you know, she sat down, got honest with me, and told me about OA. Never heard of it. And uh, so, you know, she went with me the first day. Well, you know, I, I, I went in the room. I didn't stay long. I, first of all, didn't want to admit that I could have an issue. You folks did, but not I. I was still diet mentality. But, you know, over time, now that was back in the 80s. Here I am today. I'm grateful that I have recovered. I found the truth. No more self-knowledge. No more self-diagnosis. No more self-examination. Not even to be self-centered or self-absorbed because I took the steps. And I discovered, I uncovered, I discovered, and I am recovered to the working of the steps. Especially it's important to work, uh, well, all of them. But for me, it was getting down into the cause and conditions on the fourth, getting real with my with myself, fact-finding, fact-facing, and being able to turn around and give my hand, open hand, to someone who is struggling and in torment over this disease of compulsive overeating. And I want to thank you out there for being listening, listening and for a, a wonderful holiday. Continue um, this process. Uh, don't quit before the miracle happens. This is Rivka. Rivka A. Israel, thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you, Rivka. Vasa O., it's your turn. Yes, it is. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Amy, for your service. And I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And 
this is such a gift. This program is such a gift to me. And there was really nothing more in the world than I wanted than to lose the weight when I came to Overeaters Anonymous. After trying so many methods and losing hundreds and gaining hundreds of over pounds over my lifetime until I came to Overeaters Anonymous. And some of the methods I did was um, exercising. I did some laxatives, aids, they called them. They were like a chocolate candy. I did, uh, my goodness, starvation myself. I did some bulimia. Uh, I did the Weight Watchers. And uh, I failed over and over. There was nothing more for me to to do, to try any longer. And I'm just so grateful that... uh, I was led into Overeaters Anonymous by a friend of mine that had been in AA for two years and always for two years, and I hadn't seen her for a while. She looked wonderful, and she introduced me, 12-stepped me without even going to my first meeting for about a week before I came to Overeaters Anonymous, and I felt like there was really nothing more. She gave me hope that I, I had I had lost lost hope. There was nothing more. I remember saying, you know, I'm just hopeless. I'm just going to die and die. You know? And I had no idea anything about the big book. I didn't know idea anything about the allergy or the mental obsession. And uh, it just was amazing when I went to my first meeting. And uh, hearing the people, I felt at home. And I wanted to have what they had. And I was ready and I was willing to do whatever this they were doing and what this uh, hundred men and women did that recovered and I loved the doctor's opinion you know it gave me hope it gave me so much hope and it's just amazing how this program has worked for me because I've been working at you know all these years and uh, I have never imagined in my whole lifetime that I would have a life that I have today, the freedom from compulsive eating, the freedom of my thinking, the obsessions, the anxieties and worries and resentments. It's just amazing program. And this is the only thing that has worked for me. It's by the grace of God. And my sponsor at that time said, Yvasa, you need to find a power greater than yourself. Obviously, you know, I tried to do it by myself to use my willpower. And I, I'm a very um, powerful person in many ways. You know, I have a strong will in many other ways, but when it came to the food, it had me licked. So I'm really looking forward to continue again from the beginning of the big book now and to go over the steps again. That's where the transformation comes. That's where the healing comes. And uh, I'm ready to start all over again. Thank you for letting Shanna pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Who else would like to share on this? Well, yes. Mary R. Raz R. I'm going to put myself in here, too. I've got Leah S., Nessa R., putting myself in there. And who else? I missed the rest. Mary B. Somebody B, Nancy B? Mary. Ah, Mary. Mary. All right, Nancy Mary. H. Roz Nancy. R. That's where I heard Nancy. Re- okay. 
Leah M. P. And Leah, okay, so this is who I have. I have Leah S., Nessa R., Amy G., Mary B., Nancy H., Reva P., and Leah M. Let's go with that group. Okay? Go ahead, Leah S. Thank you, Amy. Thank you very much. This is Leah S., a recovered compulsive overeater from Brooklyn. These um, men may well have a remedy for thousands of such situations. Now, what does it mean that these people have a solution for thousands of such situations. It means that there are different kinds of people. There are all kinds of people with such intricacies of personalities, of character traits, of of of, of all kinds. And it's okay and to say that we have a remedy, we have a solution for your being overweight, that's, that's, that's huge. That's very, very huge. And they're writing it, and they never changed that text. And it means something to me. It meant that even though I was so hopeless, even though I was at the desperate of desperates, and whatever situation felt so um, out of control that they have a remedy, it gave me hope. It gave me, wait, what are they talking about? They're, they're talking about the desperate, the annals of alcoholism. That means they're talking about the desperation that I have, that 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 deep, deep, deep negative negativity that I have about myself. And they're telling me they have a remedy. They're telling me they have hope. This is huge, very, very, very big. And thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah S. Nessa R., your turn. Hi, good morning. Mission for you, this is Nessa R. Recovered in Toronto, Canada. I too want to um, share on this concept of uh, the remedy that these uh, alcoholics found to alcoholism because um, I also, as has been shared in this line already, tried so many things, um, you know, to lose weight, to keep it off, but I had misdiagnosed my, my, own, my own malady. Um, I didn't even think that my, the food was the problem. I thought the weight was the problem. If only I could find a way to eat everything that I wanted to eat and still be thin, then my problem would be solved. You know, I tried bulimia, and that worked only temporarily, and I tried other things, and I just thought, if only I could find something to speed up my metabolism so that I could eat everything that I want. And everything that I tried was with that goal in mind and so of course things didn't work out that way and when I came into a way um, I also came uh, looking for that magical solution that would enable me to eat everything that I wanted um, but once here um, I learned that you know the consequences of my overeating i.e. the fact that I was fat was not my problem my problem is I have an allergy of the body 
and an obsession of the mind. And the remedy that is, that is outlined here is a prescription to deal with both. You know, the, the prescription says, I have to be abstinent in, only, in order to deal with the allergy of the body. And the prescription also says, I have to work these steps in order to deal with the obsession of the mind. And, you know, when in, in here, in OA, in the rooms, I have met um, quite a few people who have never been fat in their lives, who were blessed with that very overactive metabolism that I wanted to acquire for myself all these years. And yet they were in these rooms. They were here because they were as crazy about food as I am, as I was. Um, you know, so that just told me something. It told me, you know, it's not, it's not a problem of fat. It's not a problem of metabolism. The problem is in my mind, just like the problem was in the mind of these very thin, um, people blessed with the overactive metabolism, you know, but a remedy, a prescription has to be, has to be followed exactly, or it's not going to work. And I've, I've also met people, myself included, um, doing the first, um, um, little while in, o, in OA who have followed the prescription somewhat but not entirely and so of course the prescription has not worked you know and they say well I've tried the steps the steps don't work I've tried abstinence abstinence doesn't work you know because if, we, if I, I just choose bits and pieces of the prescription um, I'm not going to get better or at least I'm not going to stay better for a for a considerable period of time you know I really have to follow what the prescription says, um, you know, to begin with. And once I recover, I need to continue following yeah. it so that I stay well. Um, it is the only way that, that has worked for me. Um, you know, by the grace of God, um, I no longer dream about having a, an overactive metabolism so I can eat everything that I want. And this is a period in the year where it doesn't matter what religion we are, you know, food is everywhere, you know indulgent, rich, extravagant, sweet food everywhere, you know, in my own family, in my own house over here. And I look at it and I, I don't care. It doesn't call to me. It is not for me. And, you know, it was interesting because, Time. because so, oh, sorry. Um, um, I'm just going to say that, um, you know, this food didn't call to me and everybody knows that. And it's such a gift. Thank you. And I pass. Thank you, Nessa. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. This idea of extreme medical importance, I mean, why is this such an extreme medical importance? Well, in my humble opinion, it's because the medical profession was failing miserably. The alcoholics who came to the treatment facilities and came to the doctors, I mean, if I'm sick, what am I going to do? I'm going to go to a doctor. And, and when these alcoholics were coming to doctors, they would, all they were doing were getting dried up and sent back out and coming back and sent dried up and sent back up and going around and around and around. I mean, they were failing miserably because of what some of the things Nessa was saying as well as listed and will continue to be laid out in detail as the twofold nature of this disease, the mental obsession being the greater aspect. The only thing that the medical profession was able to do was to at least treat the allergy, get them dried up, but it didn't address the mental obsession. And that's what was dooming us and today is the same that dooms me as a compulsive overeater to failing again and again if I'm only addressing the allergies. And so this meant that the doctor is saying here, Dr. Silkworth is saying, is, look, we may be doctors, but we don't have the solution. 
The ones that have the remedy are the other alcoholics out there that have found another way. They have found a remedy that works because they are addressing the mental obsession. We can dry you up all you want, but we cannot address the mind. We cannot address what is up in between my two ears. And that I am doomed, that this is nailing it in the coffin, that I can go to any doctor, but I am still doomed if I can't find a way to address why it is that my brain keeps trying to convince me that having that compulsive bite is the best idea that I'll have all day. And that's what these 12 steps address. But this is so important in the doctor opinion and laid out in the beginning of this book is because if I'm thinking there's any other way, then that's what I will try to do. I need to be doomed to failure. And that is indeed the bottom where we all have to come to in order to be willing to work this program as it's laid out and work it in its entirety. The twofold nature, the greater aspect, the mental obsession. And with that, I'll pass. Go ahead, Mary B., your turn. Okay. Good morning. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for your service. Let me get my timer. This is Mary B., so gratefully recovered in Central California. And um, whoops. there goes my timer. Okay. Um, oh, gosh. I've, I have to jump in and become more active in this wonderful, wonderful community. I am so grateful for you guys right now. I just came back from a 17-day cruise to South America, which sounds wonderful. I knew there would be some challenges on this trip um, with my 91-year-old husband, whose vision is failing, and um, there were there were a lot of challenges and I lost my nearly brand new iPad and my leather jacket. (laughs) Oh my goodness, there was so much on this trip. But what saved me in part anyway was those wonderful friends of Bill W. meetings. And I think I only missed two of them because of being uh, not getting back from excursions on time. And I was so, so grateful. I was able to do my 10 steps. I was able to share everything that was going on. I was able to get support. I was able to realize that my higher power loves cruises and was there with me every step of the way. We never lost any luggage. We got my husband's electric scooter, all the parts. <laughs> I mean, we got home safe and sound from delayed flights and flying in on LAX's busiest day of the year on Thursday. And um, our drive home, I had another three-hour drive home after we arrived at there was a lot of insanity, but I didn't have to be in it. And, you know, one thing that I shared with the uh, Friends of Bill W. group that just really made me stop and realize how grateful I am, that I was not eating compulsively on this trip because I didn't want to. 
I didn't want to. And um, there was another OA person who showed up for the first meeting, morbidly obese, diabetic, heart problems, never came to another meeting. And it's it's just so... I, I talked about you guys. I talked about this wonderful community. Um, I got to share so much, and I felt so much a part of the group. I love the line in this letter that says, you you may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. And my time is up, and thank you so much. I'm so grateful to be back. I pass. Thank you, Mary. Nancy H., it's your turn. Hey, everyone. Good morning, Amy. Thank you for your service. Um, this short, I'm Nancy H. from Massachusetts, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. In these short paragraphs, um, I see a, quite a few important things. What, the first one was when he talks about these cases were of the type, and that type of people he's talking about is different, you know, different like me from the entity, from the normal. And with, it, with me, everything else had failed, and this is the one that, ha- that has um, given me the remedy. So I-, I can see exactly what he's talking about there. And then uh, because of the extraordinary possibilities of rapid growth, and they, I've been told that the ordinary is, is, you know, ordinary, but the extra in ordinary is God that puts the extra in there. And to mm-hmm. me, that's um, really important because the whole... Uh, remedy for me was to get a connection with God and to figure out why I was disconnected and the steps I went through it. Um, Where they say these men may well have a remedy, again, a remedy can be uh, mentioned to be, you know, compensating for a loss, and my loss was the food at the beginning, but now my loss is if I lose my spiritual connection because I know that that's going to take me to places I don't want to go back to. Um, the other thing is, um, pardon me? Oh, I thought somebody said something. Um, no, you're you good. You may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. And these hundred recovered compulsive, uh, compulsive alcoholics are the ones who led the way to this new epic in the annals of alcoholism and then in all these other diseases. And I'm so grateful for Dr. Silksworth, um, bringing this up, and he, I like where he says these facts appear to be of extreme medical importance. This is the medical view, and without this medical view, I would have never realized that I had a, a compulsion, you know, I had the obsession of the mind, and I had the uh, physical allergy. All I kept doing was trying different things, different things, and failing every time, and feeling like a failure, and feeling like success when I would lose weight, and the, the weight was not the uh, major problem here. Neither was the food. But now the food is not a problem at all. I don't crave the food anymore. Um, this, uh, during the holiday season, I've seen many people eating pastry and all kinds of things that I used to love, and I don't really even want it. I don't even look at it. I look at the vegetables as being, oh boy, there's some vegetables here. So for me, this has been the, uh, a very mind-opening uh, paragraph. And with that, I have, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy. Reva P. It's your turn. 
Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, currently in Montreal. Um, Two things struck me here. First of all, he says um, that this is a remedy for the type of alcoholic with whom other methods had failed completely. Not just failed, but failed completely. So I have learned that I am that type. And what that type means is it's not just about the uh, physical allergy and the foods that trigger that physical allergy. For me, I didn't know, but I now know that I have a thinking problem and I have a mental twist that tells me the best idea is not just to pick up foods, but to act out of resentment and fear um, and then build up more resentment and fear and uncomfortability so that I want to eat even more. And you know what I also have learned about the type with whom other methods had failed completely, which is me, is that my disease does not take a vacation. So just because it's holiday time now and just because other people can indulge and then, you know, a next two days later they don't, that's not my type. I can't do that. Every day is a day that I have to do what I need to do to keep this disease in remission. I only have a daily reprieve. Um, And the other thing that really struck me is extraordinary possibilities. I've never, um, I never imagined when I came in, I just wanted to get the food in order. I just wanted to have a healthy body weight. Uh, That would have been possibly ordinary, although it's still a huge miracle, but extraordinary. The healthy relationships, the fact that I can be here with family, we're actually staying in a hotel suite with with our children. Um, I'm not yelling at anybody. We're getting along. Um, The food is quiet. That's extraordinary. Watching my mother um, not be the way she was physically, that's extraordinary without having to eat over it. Um, And the the growth, the rapid growth, you know, that's at a group level, but also at a personal level. As long as I do what I need to do and follow the steps the way they're outlined, I grow and I change. Um, And it's beyond my wildest imagination. It's not easy. This is not comfortable, but it's so better than it was before. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Leah M., you are up. Thank you very much. You may rely absolutely on anything they say about themselves. I'm so grateful that someone in whom the problem had been solved carried the message to me. Uh, They carried a message of depth and weight. They were properly armed with facts about themselves. And they won my confidence. You know, I didn't realize I was of the type with whom, you know, other methods Uh, would fail completely, although that was my experience. You know, method after method after method, uh, I was falling flat on my my face. I didn't realize that I was bodily and mentally different. I didn't realize that I was suffering from a disease that only a spiritual awakening was going to conquer. I didn't realize I had a soul sickness, a kind of a uh, gangrene of the spirit. I didn't realize I was beyond human aid. I didn't realize that treating compulsive overeating with merely abstinence, with a diet, is like putting a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that the treatment that I was applying was not adequate for my condition. 
I didn't realize all that. I didn't know that I had a twofold illness, that I had a fat, uh, physical allergy, which manifested in a phenomenon of craving, that I was biologically mandated. My very cells demanded to be satisfied beyond my ability to control it. I didn't realize that, although I was experiencing that hours after hours after hours, day in, day out, year in, year out. I didn't realize what was going on. I didn't realize I had an obsession of the mind, the mental obsession that would take possession of me, where an idea would enter my consciousness and dominate it in such a way that all other ideas... All these other ideas that I had were shoved aside. I didn't realize that. And until I understood this, until it was presented to me by someone in whom the problem had been solved, I didn't understand the urgency of implementing these 12 steps. I didn't understand that abstinence was physical absolutely necessary before embarking on this spiritual program of action, but that I wouldn't be able to solve a spiritual problem with a physical solution. I did not understand that. You see, I believed that food and weight were my problem. Food and weight were not my problem. Food and weight were symptoms of a problem. I didn't realize that until someone carried this message to me. And for that, I am so very grateful. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Leah. We have time for basically one more share. So who would Larry. like to wrap us up? Larry. Sounds good. Larry Kay, go ahead. Uh, thanks, Amy. I'm going to try to be really, really quick here. Um, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. Love what was said. The only thing that I would add um, this morning is that, um, you know, experience, does, it doesn't replace knowledge or reason and intelligence, all those things. Experience doesn't replace those things to, to access our, our reality. But it's really, for me, it was the piece that completed the puzzle. The experience of working through these steps was the piece that completed the puzzle for me. Reading or listening, reading these, these beautiful words this morning, listening about recovery through the 12 steps is not the same thing as practicing it. It's, it's in the doing, of course, that we receive this freedom from bondage. You know, there's, there's nothing more, more simple and more beautiful than experience. It just, experience, though, requires time and action. It does require our time and it does require our action to have our own experience. So we do it ourselves. When do we do it? I mean, with God, of course, but we do the actions ourselves. And when do we do it? We do it now. And we have to have the courage to step out from the shadows of, of, of the audience, if you will, and become an active member of the actors, the, the doers. And that's scary sometimes. And there's no one else that can do this for us. No one else. No one else can become aware and experience the transformation on our behalf. We have to experience it in the doing. And, and once I accept the truth of this, this twofold nature of the illness as an article of faith, I can then pivot, you know, I can move to action from understanding to action. And the last I'll say, freedom we've heard on this line is not free. Freedom is only possible when I take the risk to humble myself through action. I can't think my way into becoming untethered. I act my way into the transcendence that God gives me. And I'm grateful with that. I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. 
Wow, thank you everyone who has shared. We will now close the meeting from reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Would Lisa B. please go ahead and read a vision for you? Good morning. This is Lisa B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.